Hoody ho! Hey guys, welcome to episode 37. Um, yeah, we're gonna jump right into it. This is my friend Natalie from the UK. Um, she's she's fantastic. I I don't I know I'm running out of words, guys. Any uh, oh bullet, you get out of here. Um, and uh, there's a dog barking. He's not mine though. He's just a pain in the ass neighbor dog. Um, but yeah, she's she's great. I I never heard of this condition before, uh, so I'm just gonna let you let her tell it. Um, you know, she says a few things that may be hard to understand because of being from a different land, but you should be able to pick it up. Um, yeah, and uh, I learned a lot in this episode, and um, please uh, please support her. And uh, yeah, all right, welcome, Natalie. All right, guys, we are here with another guest. Um, as I said, I've constantly been searching for new people, and it's amazing how many people have come out and just wanted to tell their story, and I'm starting to get more and more people outside of uh, North America. Um, so my next guest is, uh, can you just tell me your name and then uh, where you're from and what's your condition? Hi, I'm Natalie, and I'm from England. I've got full body complex regional pain syndrome. Okay. Um, so what uh, is is that something that you're born with, and what what is that no. condition? It's an acquired disability. Um, it's most commonly caused by minor injury. Um, essentially, your brain it stops working properly. The pain, the pain receptors stop working. Um, so instead of feeling what you're supposed to feel, you feel every sensation is possible all at the same time and then your body reacts accordingly so you're like whether your limb or um, usually your limb um, or swell or goes um, silly colours it's intense pain because obviously the, the pain receptors aren't filtering out the messages anymore um, and there's the possibility of it spreading to go to other parts of the body and that's what happened to me I ended up with full body CRPS um, within about four years or something so is it, so your whole your body is just act, like you all the sensations in your body you feel things much like if you're like let's say if your arm would or fall asleep do you feel it ten times more? Yes, um, so like I can feel noise, I can feel sounds. Um, so for example, you might feel the sound vibrations if you stand in front of an amp, like an amplifier, you'd, you'd feel feel the sound vibrations. Right, I don't need that. Um, someone closing the door that feels like someone's hitting us like something's hitting us um cold that's that's really painful cold things um the warmth um tends to help a little bit but you, you tend to swell more if you're in a warm climate um so that, that there isn't really a, a great way around it there's no cure for it um and it's been documented since the american civil war i believe but there's like no cure there's not much research about it i'm assuming this is very rare um it's supposed to be but um statistics change the very oh wow no um so how how does this like what what causes this usually a minor injury but not always i slipped on a wet floor at work i used to work for a newspaper um i used to work in advertising and I slipped on a wet floor going into work one morning and my 
my leg ended up with um, full, sorry, my leg ended up with CRPS. Um, about eighteen months later, um, I got my fingers caught in my wheelchair and I sprained my wrist, and it spread there. Um, it just spread to the, to my right leg. Um, I was having a really bad time with my left leg, and my right leg just started mimicking the left leg, which was really bizarre. Um, my right arm, I had blood taken, and that caused it to spread there. Um, and then I had like other injuries and stuff, um, a little bit of domestic violence made it spread, things like that. Um, so injuries can make mine spread. I, I was told about 20% of people would say RPS will end up with a going full body like like mine has. Right. Um, so how well, how is your like body function? Can you walk? You know what 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 is hard and what, what can you do and what can't you do? It varies. Sometimes I've sometimes I appear um, fairly average, um, but I've got fairly average movements and stuff like that. Um, but I use the wheelchair and I use crutches. Other times, my legs will turn in, my feet will turn in. Um, I'll not be able to write. Um, I might lose my words. So, um, like, just because I'm hurting too much, my words will just disappear. Um, so, like, those kind of times, I, I tend to use Makaton, which is like um, sign language. Oh, okay, right. Um, that, that can be useful, um, but that's more of a recent thing, so I started doing that. <clears throat> that was more because my children have autism and they struggle to process things without visual cues. Right, right. So I use sign language with them when they're struggling to process verbal communication. Right. Um, how old were you when you when this happened to you? The first started anyway. I was nineteen. Nineteen. Okay. Wow. Yep. You really. I've been working for the newspaper for about two years, and I was late for work one day. Well, it wasn't late, but um, later than usual. So I'd worked out. I had enough time to go upstairs to get a cup of coffee, and I got out of the lift and walked into a puddle and went down. Me, but went sideways. So I twisted my ankle and my knee took all of the force and from then it just sort of sealed my fate if you like wow this is very interesting like, so uh, okay so let's I'm just just basic situation so if you get a needle you can feel it ten times it, it's it's a much sharper pain than just your average just how everyone else feels it I feel every sensation all at the same time um, if I have blood taken, um, usually my arm will spasm, my hand will turn in, and I feel every sensation all at the same time. Um, my arm gets quite grumpy, it'll <laughs> swell up, it'll go silly colours. Um, for me personally, blood taken usually affects us for about three weeks. If I have um, like a vent flown or a butterfly or whatever you call them in, um, like a drip or something. It's usually around five weeks that my arm's really bad. Right. Did you? It varies for different people, though. It's just that's how it affects me. Right. I believe Amy, you said it off the recording. You you do have crutches. Yes, I use crutches and I use a wheelchair. Okay. Now, how how much can you 
mean, you use crutches, so you can walk a little. So how much function do you have in your legs? It all depends. It all completely varies. It doesn't vary from day to day. It varies like, from hour to hour. Um, sometimes I can't move at all. Um, now, I've been on a medication for quite some time that helped me be able to move. But like sometimes I'll not be able to move my legs. Sometimes I'll not be able to move my arm. Um, oh. Things like that. Other times I can walk with crutches. But apart from it hurting a lot, um, my legs and arms aren't going to do as they're told. So they're just going to decide that, no, no, we're not going to walk anymore. You're going to have another unscheduled meeting with the floor and down I go, you know. Right. So I suppose that's my normal, but other people panic when they say that because they're not used to seeing an adult fall. Right. Yeah. Um, so what, I mean, it's a strange, I mean, I guess I've never heard of this condition, but... Um, What's a good day like for you? On a good day, I can um, walk around with crutches. As long as I like, um, keep stopping every few meters. Um, as long as I pace myself, I can walk around with crutches. I can potter on and do things. I don't sleep much anyway, so um, you know. But I can't do like um, massive physical strenuous things because I just lose, and so it makes us poorly. Right now, are you are you a, a single mother, or a, a, yes. a, a, so you take care? You said you have two two children with autism. That's right. I've got two children. Um, I've been by myself since the youngest was ten months old. Right now, how how do you how do you do that? How do you take care of two kids who need a lot of attention and care that are both considered disabled while being a disabled person? I don't know any different. I genuinely don't know any different. Right. So there's like no, nothing to compare it to. Um, they're awake a lot during the night, but so am I. So um, the hardest thing for them, like for being a parent, generally with disabled children, is when they have a meltdown, if they get physical. Um, then it just gets a little bit more intense because obviously it's going to hurt you more. Right, right. Whereas if it's um, any other situation, you can just remove yourself. But if your child's having a meltdown, you've got to, you've got to deal with it. Right. Is there any way they can like they help you in life? Not not just like emotionally, but you know, maybe if you need something, you don't feel like getting up to grab it. Can they... Oh, if I, if I get stuck or something, that's the really sweet blessing. Like, so for example, I'll, I'll be thinking, oh, I am, I'm clever and stuff. I'll walk around with one crutch in the house and then my leg will go into spasm and I really, really need the other crutch. And I just like ask them and, and they'll go and get the other crutch or whatever. Um, it, lots of like little things. I don't really know any different though. Um, I can't really compare it. Right, right. But that's good, though. You guys kind of protect each other. Like it's a, like it is a genuine family. Of course, it's, it's no different to any other families. Just we do things differently, I guess. Things are just a little harder and a little more, you know, obscure. But you know, you make everything work, which is great. Um, you have to as a parent. You have to. Um, so, so, like for example, um, when I use my wheelchair, I can't push 
their wheelchairs because they've got like hypermobility um, and they've got lack of awareness of danger, things like that. Um, so I couldn't push a wheelchair and use my wheelchair. So it's, for years, my children have ended up like on my lap or whatever, um, especially when they were younger. A few times I've had some quite interesting comments from people. There was one lady on a bus um, with a very vocal that disabled people like me should never have children. But, um, yeah, she was um, a little bit upset about it when she saw it with one child on my lap and then she realised that I actually had two children on my lap because the other one was in the sling. I think, yeah, I'm assuming, again, a very ignorant person, but I'm assuming since you had two disabled children, she just assumed that disabled people always have disabled children or disabled parents always have disabled children. It's just, that's just the luck of the draw for no. you but that's ridiculous my children's my children's um, disabilities is in, are, in, are invisible disabilities they have autism right. and at that time neither of them were diagnosed because they were both very young um, so I'd, I'd get on the bus um, and then there was this lady being very vocal that um, hey look at that she's got a bend people like that shouldn't have bend bend is um, a local word for child okay um, oh, okay, okay good thank you <laughs> <laughs> sorry um so people like she she was mouthing off getting getting um, quite vocal about it and things like that and then she realized i had two children on me so they're both in slings both like one's on on me front and one's on me lap and i'm using my wheelchair and just getting all vocal about it and well what, what do you do you, you just pay attention to your children don't you you don't bite. You show them that you know that they're, they're being prejudiced and they're making themselves look really foolish, right? You know. Um, I'm trying to figure out how I word this. Not 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 just emotionally. Well, yeah, mainly emotionally. But do you feel like with with the, the disability that you have or the condition that you have, where everything is super sensitive? Like, do you feel more vulnerable? I'm aware that I'm more vulnerable. Um, so I try to... Well, I, I try to keep my distance a little bit um, from people physically. So, like, when social distancing came in, it's not really a big deal, you know? Because um, I don't really like getting close to people that I don't trust anyway. Right, right. Um, so you've got to be extra vigilant that, oh, well, I can't be somewhere loud for too long and, and things like that because then you, you lose movement. Um, if you go into a bar or something and people start getting rowdy, you try and back off to somewhere a bit quieter. Um, if there's going to be someone starting a fight or something, you, you get away from it because you know that if you get hurt, it's going to make you bad for quite a while. Right. Um so you have to you have to be more vigilant um, about safety and stuff. But right. I suppose after this long, you sort of get used to it, you know. Yeah. For a long time, I was scared to go around um, to go out where there was other people, like where there was lots of people, like crowds and stuff. Right. I'm sure some of that stum- stems from the domestic violence as well. Uh, um. No, that came later. Oh, it came later. Okay. Um, yeah, that came later. Okay. Now, wh- so, 
you know, obviously, is he is he that that person? Was he the father of the children? Yes, um, it was an interesting scenario um, because of my disability um, and needing a wheelchair. I couldn't leave because there was nowhere for us to go that was accessible. So he had to leave, and with it being um, an abusive relationship, that was never going to be easy kind of thing. Um, so when that did happen, um, it got a bit colourful. Um, but I, I things like um, it was suggested that I go to a hostel, but I couldn't go to like the uh, sorry, a refuge, sorry, not a hostel. It was suggested that I go to a refuge, a women's refuge, and then it was pointed out that they weren't accessible anyway, so they weren't appropriate. Um, when I tried to seek help for, like, to do the domestic violence courses and things like that, um, the first place I went to didn't have any access. Now, when you say when you say access, do you mean like the, you couldn't get a wheelchair in? Yeah, there, there were steps. Oh, right, they could right. get in the first the first one um you could get into there was like a shop and then there was like another place down steps um to do courses so you could go into the shop part but you couldn't go downstairs to do the courses um and then that place moved and there's a step there so there's still no wheelchair access i mean don't get get me wrong there are other um places there are alternatives um but this laws that say that you have to make reasonable adjustments and things, and, and they don't seem to happen. Um, and statistically, apparently, disabled women are more likely to be abused than any other um, socio-economic group or anything like that, any socio-grouping. Um, so I don't understand why that the hurdle's there when it's known that these people are high-risk anyway. Right. Now, because everything's called something different here in the States now, when you say, is it a refuge now, is this a, a pl- is this more like a hospital or is this just a place where women go that are battered or is this like a homeless shelter? Like what, what, what type of place, like what is involved um, in this place? The refuges are supposed to be um, somewhere for women to go um, with the children if need be um, to, dis- to escape domestic violence. Right. Um, you're supposed to be able to get very support and things like that um but those options weren't available right it was suggested but those options weren't available um how, how does that make you feel as a parent because you I mean it was we talked about you being super vulnerable and I'm, I'm sure you want to be the protector of your children and obviously you have to protect yourself in, in such a vulnerable state that you're in um how does it, that how do you deal with that mentally it made me frustrated and feisty um, a case was I've got to sort it out myself. So you know, you've got you have like um, a resilience. So you just had to. I just had to find me ways. You know, um, right. it made us anxious. I was aware that because I was using the wheelchair, that if someone, well, if he tried to overpower me and take the children from me that he would probably be successful because all he had to do was step onto the road because right. there's no drop curves is there. All he would have to do is grab the child and step onto the road and, road and then I wouldn't have been able to 
get to my child quickly. Right. Yeah, those are some realizations that a lot of parents, I mean, they fear as far as like, you know, because of course people take kids all the time in this dark, shitty world that we live in. But Mm -hmm. it's a much bigger realization for you because they can do it right in front of you and and you're not going to be able to put up much of a fight, unfortunately. And so I'm assuming that's another thing that you have to battle in the back of your mind. Another reason why you probably don't want to come out of the house to a certain degree. And I'm sure the domestic violence didn't help it any. Um, It was very frustrating trying to keep the children safe um, while everything was happening. Um, It was was difficult trying to feel safe. Of course. Yeah. Um, uh, Yeah. I mean, again, it's got to mess up your trust issues and, um, you know, and I mean, again, I'm sure you want nothing but the best and you want to protect your children at all times. So I'm sure the next time mm-hmm. another guy comes in your life, it's, you're probably going to have to do a lot more information than just, you know, letting them come over just for, you know, whatever tea, whatever. Um, yeah. you know, it's, I mean, you have to be a protector, especially being a mom. Um, mm-hmm. you have that protective gene in you where you just, don't want to let anything happen to your kid, and especially with them being autistic. Um, so, uh, what is what is it like? Like, obviously, they when they were both diagnosed, um, what was it like to learn about a whole different disability? And and how how did you prepare yourself for, you know, being a disabled um, mom dealing with disabled children? I've always been around children who had issues like autism okay. so it didn't really come as a surprise to this um, I didn't really I wasn't particularly anxious about that um, I think to be fair it was the same as any other parent would have done but the thing that I found most difficult was taking them to assessments the reason I say this is because one of the places well, there was my youngest, sorry, my eldest one um, had more assessments than the youngest because they changed the, assess- the way they assess. Um, so one of the appointments I took her to, I took her to the appointment, I went to the reception and they're like, oh, you go upstairs, up three flights of stairs. I was like, all right, okay, where's the lift? Oh, um, we don't have one. Hmm. It's like, Right, okay, so you have to rearrange. Oh, no, we, we can just take the bairn upstairs for you if you want, and you just wait down here. It's like, no, you're not taking the children away from me. It's not happening. Right. You know? Um, so that had to be rearranged. Um, and one of the hospitals, um, the wheelchair access is quite poor. So you have wheelchair access, but you have to go through a back door to get there. And it's that back door's not used regularly, so they have to find the keys and everything like that. Um, you've got to negotiate your way around the building. Um, the disabled toilet isn't big enough to get your wheelchair in and close the door. Mm-hmm. Um, so you've, you've got all of these issues that you're constantly battling um, as a parent. Um, one of the things that I found difficult was um, changing nappies in public. It wasn't like um, nappies as diapers. Um, changing diapers in in public. Um, I couldn't just take them to 
the changing station because it was the wrong height. So I had to change them on my lap. Right. Um, wheelchair accessible toilets often had the baby change, like a baby changing table in. But if he pulled the, wheel, the baby changing table down, there wasn't enough room for the wheelchair to be there as well. Wow. So those kind of things were frustrating. Um, forgive me, like, how I can ask this question. So, is is there a fear or a certain paranoia that you have that someone actually, because you, you mentioned as far as them wanting to take your kids without you um, to the to the next floor or whatever. Um, is there a paranoia that you have that somebody might actually want to take your kids because they look at you as an unfit parent, even though you're not? No, um, but there had been threats of my children being taken by their father um, when they first left the family home. Right. So that was um, a quite an anxious time. Oh, yeah, I could imagine. Um, do you... Um, do you, like, are you more so angry and, 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 you know, I don't know if you're religious, but do you look at it like, like, why me? Or do you look at it like, do you think this is just like a blessing in disguise type of ordeal? Like your life and your disease and your, your condition? Um, I think I had about three years of the whole all poor me kind of thing. And then I met someone who had the same condition as me. Mm-hmm. She'd had this condition since she was a child and she worked full time and she did martial arts and all sorts of things. She would she could drive, she'd travel, um, she didn't have children, but she she had quite a full life, you know? And that kind of made something inside of her snap in as well, if she can do it, so can I. So I set about finding my way of managing, and eventually I did. I mean, 17 years on, I'm running a business. And for 17 years on, I've got my own company. That's awesome. Um, yeah, no, it's good that you look at it that way because it's. I'm sure you, and I'll ask you this in a second about your mental health, but I'm sure you've gone down some really dark holes in, in your mind of you know, different outcomes and then so on. And a lot of times it, it, when you run into other disabled people, whether it's something like this, what we're doing or, you know, or whatever in life where you're working or whatever, you run into someone who either has it as hard as you or even worse. And then you look at your situation and go like, man, like it's not that bad or there is a way, there's a possibility for me to turn this into something better even if it's still not great, there's still a possibility of, of some sort of positivity to come out of this. I think it's important to be inspired by other people's success and determination, um, those kind of things. Um, but I don't think there's any point dwelling. Everyone's going to. You're going to have like depression and anxiety and things like that, especially with an acquired disability. But it's, it's not productive. It's not productive energy. Um, so I try to redirect like obviously everyone's going to end up with intrusive thoughts at some point um, if they've got whatever you know so but I try and 
I did a pain management course that taught us a few things. I met a few people. Um, I used to run a support group. Um, the support group was we were very proactive in positivity. Um, you, if someone was on the forum and they were doing the whole depressive or poor me thing, you tried to help them. Um, we, we didn't dwell we focus on the good things because if you focus on the bad things you go and spiral down right now I mean you're obviously in a much better place mentally right now but did you have some dark days where you just were stuck oh, in your depression and, and it was hard to get out of well CRPS is, um, is dubbed the, the suicide disease because there is no cure and it's the most common cause of death with um, people with CRPS and suicide because they get desperate trying to stop the pain. Uh-huh. Um, I think that, well, I don't know an adult with CRPS who hasn't had those kind of thoughts. Um, at one point, I was begging the doctors to amputate my leg, which is a treatment, but it's not a very common treatment. Um, it's more of a, a last resort. Um, and it well, I wasn't really given that option. No matter how much I asked, it, it didn't happen kind of thing. And then um, it spread. Um, theoretically, it would have spread anyway, whether or not the limb had been am- amputated or not. So it doesn't really matter in that sense. But I remember um, like asking for that. Um, if I dream, it's really bizarre. If I have dreams, it's not very often that I do. Um, I often dream that I'm cutting my leg off um, because that's where it is. That's the source of, of the pain and stuff. Apparently, that's quite common with people with CRPS um, because you disassociate from the affected parts of your body. Right. What um, what what did you feel, and, and what is it like to be told that you have a condition that they can't fix? Um, oh, that was so long ago now. Um, <laughs> I, I remember being depressed and stuff, but then you, you can't stay like that. You have to look for the positives. You have to turn things around. You, you can't stay low. There's no point wasting all your, all your energy. You're going to be here for a long time. What was the positive you know thing I mean? that kind of, right, what was the positive thing that kind of brought you back to kind of a, a positive, you know, mental state? Photography. Say that again? Um, it used to be art. Photography. Oh, photography. It used to be art. Yes, it used to be art. But then I retrained in photography um, about five years or something. Sorry, about seven years after I had my accident, something like that. Uh-huh. Um, well, five or seven years, something, something along those lines. Um, because I couldn't draw anymore when the nerve damage hit me hand. So I retrained in photography and that just sort of became my focus. And then it was my dream to have my own photography studio, to have my own photography business, to have my own studio, um, things like that. And it took 12 years, but I got there. I ended up getting my photography studio last year. Okay. <clears throat> well, yeah, that's good. You found a, you found a passion. Uh... Thank you. Yeah, and you found something worth living for. Even like I think some people think like 
you know, they need to find a person or, or a career or something, but like you could literally, it could be a, sh- a television show that you like, or it could be, um, whatever, like you said, photography, like it doesn't even have to be your career. It could just be something you just like taking pictures of flowers or animals or, um, mm-hmm. and, and that's what keeps you going. And at the end of the day, if that's what it is and, and you know, so be it. I think, I think to manage sometimes I found that it's easier to have a reason, a focus and a goal. Um, now the reason for is doing, but the reason for anything really, like any mother, is my children. You know, that, that's the reason that I crap on every day that I wake up and do everything every day. It's my children, they need that. They need me to, to carry on and show them what's right and all the rest of it, you know? Right. So, and then my focus is my photography. That's awesome. Um, and my goal is to have, well, was, is to have me um, own business, be successful business. Now, every... Every goal that I hit with my business, I kind of set a new one, obviously. Um, and that kind of works, um, you know. And then on the sleepless nights when I'm hurting too much, I can distract myself with whatever I need to. Right. Um, when, yeah. when I feel low or whatever, I distract myself with whatever. Um so I'm either going to do something with the children or I'm going to do something arty, um, usually photography, things like that, you know? Right. Oh, that's great. Um, before we talk about your company, I want to ask you a couple more, just like two more questions about your condition. Um, so now you say like, you know, the pain and, and just certain feelings, you just feel it exponentially higher than anyone else would. So, but is it... Like so, if you like were to hit your knee on a coffee table, um, would that would be excruciating, right? But so it would hurt ten times more. But are you more? How do I word it? Like, are your bones weaker? Like your your knee's not going to fracture, right? It's just going to feel like you fractured it. That's right. Um, I'm sorry. Is it possible that I could um, take a five minute break from this, please? Yeah, hold on. Let me hit the pause button. Give me one second. Thanks. Okay, guys, we're back. Um, so you said you had to uh, take a break. You, you know, does your body get all kind of kinked up? Yeah, you have to um, take breaks regularly, partly to keep moving, um, and partly to be able to focus. Because when you hurt a lot, you focus. So, like it, it fluctuates. Um, I've I've had this for like seventeen years now, so I'm quite good at masking. Um, I can bluff my way through conversations a lot but it, it gets to a point where you have to stop to be able to refocus and move around and stuff um, otherwise you, you're just not very good with it you know um, so that's really that that's what that was all about to be fair no no you're good um, I mean so when they hear this it's it's going to be like two seconds and you're back on so um, yeah but yeah you were going for like five minutes for the audience yeah, um, yeah I mean does, does, is it is it mainly because of your condition? Like, like how long can you sit without, I mean, on, on, on average, how long can you sit without actually moving and getting up? I'm about half an hour, then I start losing, like, my limbs will start feeling more tight and things like that. Right. Um, if I don't move, I lose the ability to move. So, like, when I was, I was first got bad, 
I was scared to move because it hurt. Mm. You know? Um, it, because your body sends the pain signal to a normal person with normal neurology. Um, the mean that there's, a, that there's an issue, that there's a problem, um, that there's a danger not to move, whatever. Um, it's like a broken arm or whatever. Your body's telling you not to move it because it's, it's damaged. That's what the pain is. Now, my body's lying to me. The pain receptors don't fill out the pain messages anymore. Um, so I feel pain all of the time. Mm-hmm. But obviously, when I first got bad, I, when I first got unwell, I didn't know that. I didn't understand that because I thought it was something acute, something fixable, like cartilage damage or something like that. And obviously, it wasn't. Um, it was complex regional pain syndrome. Um, so it took a while to get my head around the whole, you can move, you're not going to do more damage by moving. Yes, it hurts, but suck it up, buttercup, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it took a while to get my head around that. There's other times when I'll try to move and I physically can't move. Um, it's very frustrating. It's very much a case of use it or lose it with CRPS. So if you don't move, you lose your movement. And then it takes a long time to be able to build it back up. Mm, yeah. Um, right before you got off, we were, we were talking about um, like your pain. So you, as I said, so if you hit your knee on a table, you don't necessarily, you, you're not susceptible to easier breaks or, or damage. It's more just the pain that comes from it is excruciating. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, you do develop osteoporosis. Most people end up developing osteoporosis. CRPS gives you bone changes. Um, but generally speaking, it's the pain that's going to be the issue. It's not that you're going to do more damage. It's that your body's going to say it's damaged when it's not. Oh, yeah. Is that, is then you've got, like, you've got the deep touch and then you've got... Um, I can't remember the, the proper name for the light touch, but you've got like light, light touch and deep touch, and they're two different parts of your nervous system. So some people deep pressure um, won't hurt, won't hurt them, so they can put something heavy on the lap or something. If they've, if they've got it in the leg, they can someone t- touching firmly isn't going to hurt them. Whereas a feather will. Um, you can go either way, or it can be that both of them like. Both kinds of touch are really going to hurt you. Right now, is there any with your condition? Does it make any sensation better? Like, okay, like does when you eat, does you do you taste things? Like, can you taste is your, is your taste buds stronger? Not really. No. Okay. Um, you, you can feel vibrations. You know when the weather's going to change because you hurt more when the weather's going to change. Um, Thunder and lightning, but asleep. Um, because you, you get like a, a pressure release, if you like, but then you get a different kind of intensity and gets a little bit messed up. Right, okay. So more it affects you outwardly than internally. And, and then you've got like, um, like I try, I, I describe it as I've got general pain and I've got sensation pain. So I'm more like my body's always hurting. Um, but then I've got. There are different kinds of pain as well, like stabbing, squeezing, um, burning, things like that. Right. Um, An itch that can't ever be scratched. 
Right, right. That's got to be super frustrating. Um, so before we get into what you're doing now and your business, um, for those who aren't from where you are, um, what do you feel where you live? Could they do better as far as people with, with what's available for people with disabilities? Yes, quite frankly and bluntly. Um, there's laws in place to state that I have to be treated equally, that I can't be disadvantaged, that access has to be um, given in these venues, those venues, um, the drop curbs have to be at every pavement and everything like that. But these laws aren't actually enforced. Right. Yeah, it's just more like a it's more like a piece of paper saying, "Hey, this is a rule we much. should follow, but we don't really." Pretty much. Um, it's not very often that this, that they are challenged. Um, I have challenged the law before. Um, there was a restaurant once told me that their restaurant restaurant wasn't for disabled people, um, which I didn't take very kindly to. Yeah, I could imagine that that ended up in a legal battle and obviously i won on that one that's that's good um yeah i mean actually uh, in some ways it actually sounds like it's worse than where you are and then i am i mean it's it's not great but if it's very obvious like that yeah i mean people pretty much frown upon it um it's more subliminal things and things that are hard, like as we talked off record, things it's harder to prove. Um, you know, there's a lot, and there is a lot of what you were saying, like, you know, people make these rules, but in general, no one follows them. Um, yeah, um, people don't think anything about um, blocking access in an aisle of a supermarket. It, just, it doesn't really matter. Um, people don't think anything about using a disabled toilet as a store cupboard, which is incredibly frustrating when that happens. Um, for example, the town that I live in has a handful of bars. Only one of them has a disabled toilet. Right. And if a lot of people don't know that the, the handicapped store and disabled store, they're just a lot bigger. Um, so where you can mm -hmm. get a wheelchair and, and just you can move around a lot. And some people just mm -hmm. use them and they're just regular people it's just roomy to them but mm -hmm. um yeah there's a lot there's of a lot restaurants of that don't have that there's a lot of invisible disabilities um from anything from autism anxiety um Crohn's disease there's um a, a me bag things like that um there's all sorts of invisible disabilities um and people assume because people with invisible disabilities use the toilet as well that the toilet's going to be abused, so they often get locked. So that makes it difficult for everyone concerned because, well, an able-bodied person going to the normal toilets, the, the average toilets, they don't have to ask to go to the toilet, um, whereas often you do have to ask to go to the toilet if you need the wheelchair-accessible one or disabled one or how, whatever you want to to call it um, sometimes the locks with a radar key that's like a national scheme it's one kind of key um, and the same kind of lock 
is supposed to go for like every disabled pilot. Um, but that doesn't always happen. Sometimes it's just a normal case, um, which is very frustrating because then you have to go and ask to use the toilet. Now, the people who are most likely to use those toilets are the people who are going to have more issues. So, for example, continence issues. So it's going to be harder for them to ask to get to the toilet in time if this thing is completely unfair. It's embarrassing. It's it's not good. Right. Yeah, I mean, I mean, there are some smaller restaurants and that you know it's got to be harder for them to get a handicap stall. But a lot of these major chain restaurants and just just you know bigger environments, there's kind of no reason why they shouldn't. Um, mm-hmm. There was one um, one venue I went to one restaurant. Um, I've got two disabled children who at the time were both potty training and I'm disabled. I couldn't take them to an average toilet because there wasn't enough room. Um, There wasn't the facilities for the children. Um, And every time the children needed to go to the toilet or I needed to go to the toilet, I had to ask. In the hour that we were there, well, it was about an hour and a half, I think we went about five times. And the staff were getting frustrated because we were having to keep going and asking. It's just like, well, it's not me that's locking the door. You're locking the door to make it harder for me to access this. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah, I think that's one of those, like I was saying, just it's hard to prove that people are being assholes and discriminating against you for your condition because it's hard to prove that. You could just say, well, that's just their policy or, or whatever, but you know deep down why they're doing it. I mean, don't get me wrong. There are, case, there are cases where the toilets do get abused. Um, right, right. I've, I've encountered teenage people um, using it to, to vape um, as a gathering place. Um, but those kind of scenarios um, we've all heard stories of sexual activity happening in disabled toilets we've all, we're all well aware of it you know um, so yeah it's, it's abuse of those places do, do take place but I'm not sure it would actually happen in those toilets more than other toilets you still get all of those in the other toilets Right. Well, mm-hmm. as, as they say, you know, know your audience or read your read the situation. You know, like you mm-hmm. they clearly can look at you and you're taking your two children into the bathroom. Like, they, they, you know, they they know. But it's just, mm-hmm. you know, of course, yes, there are situations where people abuse the power and, and, and they take advantage of, of, you know, good people and try to, you know, like I said, they try to screw it up for others. But in general, like... If you look at someone who's in a wheelchair or on crutches and they're taking taking their two children to the bathroom, it's like, what what do you think is going to happen? Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, we all if can go to a negative place, but I mean, let, let's be real. Like, I mean, just like I said, no, read the situation. I think people are mostly good. Um, I think that people act undesirably usually because there's something like anxiety or something like that because of the genuinely scared or whatever. Um, I think that people generally are mostly good um, and that situations are often misread. Um, 
speaking through through anxiety um, to whatever circumstances, you know. I don't think that people generally go out to do bad things for the sake of doing bad things or anything like that, you know. Right. And we're all very insecure and, and you know, I don't know. It, it, people are very people are very weird with us like they don't know how to take us and i I, i'm sure it goes back to some insecurities and so on and i don't know i think a lot of people look at us like well i could never make it through like if that happened to me i would kill myself or i would go crazy and 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 it's just they go down some weird hole where they just don't it's like they just don't know how to treat us they don't know how to act around us it's like hey like we're human here like you know yeah yeah go ahead it's the case of all your so inspirational daring to come out in public, isn't it really? Mm. Um, people don't know because up until maybe nineteen eighties or something disabled people were more hidden away. Right. Um, yeah. there's photographs from the eighties of like nineteen eighties of children with autism being put in straight jackets and tied to radiators right. in schools. Um, because disability was hidden um you've still got somewhat of an ableist attitude um in society but i think that as time goes by it is lessening um i know that the differences for me personally um aren't as extreme as they were when i first had my accident um but equally there's many times when i've chosen using crutches and knowing that i'm going to fall over multiple times because I don't want the judgment that comes with the wheelchair. Right. Yeah, there's, there's, there's days where you wake up and you feel proud to be what you are and, and what you overcome. I, I, but Generally speaking, I don't really care how people view it. Um, but sometimes it's just easier for my mental health um, to not have the discrimination, to not have that Bite, well, it's still you're still going to get some degree of discrimination if you were going to get discrimination anyway. Um, but it's sometimes just easier not to have that fight. Um, other yeah. things like convenience. So where I live, I can't get a wheelchair accessible taxi or cab. It's just not going to happen. Um, so I have to rely on public transport more. And sometimes that means that I'm going to have to use my crutches and know that I'm going to fall to do what I need to do. Um, so, for example, um, a few weeks ago, my daughter had a dentist appointment and there was snow. Wheelchair and, wheelchairs and snow don't go very well together. Um, but my daughter had to go to this dental appointment. That's not negotiable. Um, I know fine well that if I use my crutches, I'm probably going to fall. So you have to trade off what you need to do, your ability and the the situation and, and things like that. Um, the alternative would have been to cancel my daughter's appointment and rearrange it, which wasn't really appropriate because my daughter had toothache. Right. So... <clears throat> Sometimes it's a case of, well, you know you're going to make yourself unwell. Um, now, obviously, when I didn't have the children, 
it didn't matter so much. I could stand my ground and say, oh, well, no, this is what's going to happen. But now I have children, I've got to put their needs first. And sometimes that means that I've got to make things harder for me. Right. Because the world's not accessible as it should be. Exactly. Um, so what... Uh, what is the business that you have and, and what made you go into that field? What made you create this uh, this job? I have a photography business. I also print and do graphic design. Um, the graphic design comes from the advertising. I, I used to work in advertising way back when. And the photography, I was trained in photography when I couldn't draw anymore. Um, that was like 12 years ago or something. Um, I retrained, I went, went to college, um, got some qualifications and my dream was to have a photography studio. Um, I had, I got pregnant, I had my children and then last year lockdown happened. Now just before last year I decided like, right, okay, um, I'm going to do it. I'll just hire places as and when and and do whatever um, and, and work towards getting the photography studio. As it happened, um, during lockdown, somewhere was pretty much landed in my lap. Um, but during lockdown, I started printing as well. I learned how to print. People were struggling a lot with not being able to go out or only being able to go out with purpose. And for me, it was a bit like, well, yeah, that's my normal. The whole, I've got to do me shopping online, so why are you getting yourself all upset about shopping online? Um, sure, I'm restricted. I can't do the things I want to do like everyone else. But in many in many senses, um, it was a bit like, well, welcome to my world. Um, because all these things that people were struggling with were often my norm. Like not being able to go out as often. Well, I can't go out as often as I used to or as I want to. Um, that doesn't mean that I don't go out, but I'm still limited. Um, not being able to go into a bar, well, yeah, you can't go into most bars with a wheelchair anyway. They've mostly got steps, you know? Um, having to shop online, um, not being able to see people easily, well, I use crutches in a wheelchair. I can't go into other people's houses easily because the majority of them don't have wheelchair access. Uh, the majority of them have too many steps for me to get up. I can't do steps. Um, so I can't get, go and visit my friends and things like that. So uh, it was just more of a case as well, right? Welcome to my world, you know? So yeah. everyone else is panicking over the changes and sure I'm panicking over the COVID drama about um, not being able to do the things that I'd usually do but not to the extent that other people have because I was already halfway there anyway you know um, so I kind of found it yeah. I found it fitting I suppose to start printing um, that started with a friend of mine asking if I could make a mug. Um, so I started printing, I started with mugs, and I started with 
t-shirts, slates, things like that, um, coasters, anything really. Um, I got the studio and I've upgraded my studio within three months. Um, we're in another lockdown in the UK. Um, but yeah, I, I've achieved my dream. That's and great. Obviously, when you achieve your targets, you, you move the, the target, you know. Um, but yeah, it was a bit of a... It was difficult trying to find somewhere that was suitable. So I was very lucky that this place sort of like just appeared, if you like, um, because I've got to think of wheelchair access. I've got to think of turning circles. I've got to think of accessibility for traveling. And all of these things. What is turning circles? don't necessarily have to think of. Sorry? You said turning circles. What is that? Turning circles. Oh, turning um, turn circles. Yeah, the turning circles is... Um, the area in which you, a wheelchair needs to be able to turn around. Okay, gotcha. Never heard the term. Um, so you 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 achieved your goal. Um, mm-hmm. Is it as satisfying as the journey? Because a lot of people get to the where they want to get to at some point, and it's almost I'm you know, craving more. You're craving more, right? So what? So what? I crave more. Yeah. So then, what? What's what is your next goal? What do you? What do you? Where do you want to go? I don't know. I don't want to say in five years, but you know what I mean. Like, where do you where do you want to be from here on out? Like, what's your next goal? Well, my ultimate goal is to have to be able to buy a house with. Well, it would be a bungalow because I, I need a bungalow for my wheelchair. Um, it would be to buy a bungalow that's big enough to have a sensory room for my children. Mm-hmm. Um, that that's my goal. Um, but a, from a, a bungalow point a home? of view, sorry. Is a house? Is that is that Sorry? a house? A bungalow? Is that a house? For those? Yes, a bungalow is a house all on one level. Right. Okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. Like, so like no stairs. Um, sometimes the steps outside they're, they're no good for me. But um, a bungalow is a house all on one level. Um, so for example, where I live now, I've got a, a lounge, I've got a kitchen, bathroom, um, and three bedrooms. Mm-hmm. Um, you. That's probably the one of the bigger bungalows um, that you can get. Um, I want one with a dining room and a, um, a sensory room for the children as well. Right. Um, just for people who don't know, what what is a sensory room? Um, a sensory room, you've got different equipment, mostly things like light, touching things, like um, different things to touch, um, it stimulates various. Uh, it stimulates your senses, um, and that's really important for children, well, people with, with various disabilities such as autism. They often have things like sensory processing disorder, where they get fixated on certain things, um, or they can't tolerate certain things. For example, um, you'd not be able to tolerate certain fabrics touching your skin. And you might crave touching other fabrics. So you might like to stroke silk and it might really calm you down. But if you put denim on, it's going to make you, your, your skin itch so much. Um, it's going to hurt you because it's hard. It's going to be really, really uncomfortable for you. Um, not just like to 
the same as a neurotypical person, but to an excessive amount where it physically hurts them to maybe wear that material. Um, and the, the material that they crave is immensely relaxed and calming for them, you know? Right, exactly. Um, uh, I mean, I don't know if I mentioned this off the top, but like we... We actually just met today. This is our first conversation we've ever had, and I'm, I'm very happy that I've met you. And we're definitely going to stay friends outside this. Um, and I'm very proud of everything you've made it through and, and what you continue to do for you and your children and just as an example of someone who has a disability. And uh, I'm very, very sure that you're going to uh, complete whatever goal that you set because you've already accomplished so much already, uh, whether you know it Thank or not. You. So, um, so I, I really do appreciate you doing this. Um, is there any, just in closing, do you have any, you know, inspiring things or anything just to, just to tell anybody who's going through, whether it's a disability or mental health or just going through whatever that's bringing them down? Is there anything you have any advice? Just stay true to you. Um, catch your stars. You're, you're as strong as you want to be. There are ways to do absolutely anything that you want to do. you just got to think outside the box and find different ways to achieve. Don't give up. Um, it might have only taken other people a year or so to retrain and start the business. It took me 12 years where I got, it. I got there. I, I did it. Um, if you focus, if you stay true to yourself you'll get there make your goals realistic and achievable and measurable and, and you'll get there exactly um, yeah seriously thank you for doing this I really appreciate it you're very welcome it was lovely talking to you of course and uh, I will text you in a few and uh, I'll let you know how it came out fabulous All right. thank you very much of course take care you too. All right, bye. bye. Okay, make sure she's off the line. Yep, she's there. Uh, or she's gone. Um, yeah, that was great. Um, I hope the language barrier wasn't too much for you guys. Uh, I did understand pretty much everything she was saying. I tried to kind of get a certain couple things out of her. Like, I kind of knew what a bungalow was, but. I also wasn't sure to a certain extent. I have watched a lot of British television, and I do enjoy it. Um, but even the shows that I enjoy, sometimes they're hard to understand. Um, but in overall, you can kind of get everything from what she's saying. Um, very powerful woman. Um, just, yeah, I don't know what to tell you. Like, she's just great, and she's just overcame. She's overcome so much. So, um, thank you guys again for listening. Uh, if you heard any banging, like if I hit the mic, uh, don't worry, I didn't two-piece bullet, uh, but I wanted to because he was playing with the cable for my headphones. He was trying to yank the cable. Well, not yank it. He was just trying to bite it. And These are not cheap headphones bullet, so um, yeah, don't cost me more money because he's already ruined three pairs of iPhone, just the regular in-ear uh, headphones three pairs in a row they're twenty dollars a piece so he's ruined 60 bucks in the last month so uh and these are 300 dollars headphones so we are not going to ruin that cable um well i mean he can't ruin the 
headphones, but he can ruin the cable, which is cheaper. But still, we aren't doing that. Um, but no, I wasn't beating Bullet, um, and I wasn't dicking around while she was talking. I was just trying to keep him from going crazy. Uh, and there's a dog barking, so I, this mic picks up a lot of shit. And I have these noise cancellation headphones in, so it's hard to really hear what direction it's coming from. Uh, but yeah, so the mic picks up a lot of shit. I'm rambling. Uh, I will see you guys on the next one. Love you guys. Like, comment, subscribe, blah, blah, blah. I shouldn't say that because then it sounds like I don't really need you to do it. But uh, yeah, guys, I'll see you on the next one. And um, we are out.